When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 38 of season 3 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. The Burns and Allen Show, starring husband and wife team George Burns and Gracie Allen, began on September 19, 1934, as The Adventures of Gracie. It changed names to The Burns and Allen Show in 1936, and switched from a comedy variety format to a situation comedy in 1941. The show ended on May 17, 1950. The couple then switched to television, starring The George Burns and Gracie Allen Show, which ran from 1950 to 1958 on CBS television. Gracie died in 1964, aged 69, and George in 1996, aged 100. Now sit back and enjoy the September 16, 1940, and the May 5, 1949 broadcasts of The Burns and Allen Show. From Hollywood, the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show for Hormel and Fair. brings another Burns and Allen show to your house with this swell dinner suggestion that it's as snappy as a new fall hat. Headline the evening meal with a Spam Bake. Just open a can of Spam and bake this delicious meat. Takes only a jiffy and you'll find the easy recipe right on the label. All summer, smart housewives have served Spam cold. Now that fall is here, baked Spam makes a real hit. When you bake Spam, you enhance the meaty flavor, the satisfying goodness of this delicious meat. You save time because Spam, a perfect blend of pure pork shoulder with ham meat added, is cooked by Hormel's own formula to preserve all the natural, juicy flavor and tenderness of choice meat. Try baked Spam for dinner tomorrow. Ask your food dealer for SPAM Spam when you shop. You'll discover in baked Spam an economical main course that satisfies the family completely. But here they are, the two favorites of our Spam family, George and Gracie. Well, thank you very much. Well, George, here it is September. Yes, Gracie, and the summer is practically over. The leaves are beginning to fall. It's starting to get cold. Squirrels are beginning to gather nuts. I'm staying indoors from now on. <laughs> In nine weeks, it'll be Thanksgiving. In ten weeks, it'll be Thanksgiving again. Picture... <laughs> Picture stars have stopped taking sun baths. Tourists are leaving town. Dorothy Lamour's taking off a sarong. Tourists are coming back again. <laughs> Pretty soon, the rest of the country will be snowed in, but California will be sending oranges to Florida. Grapefruit to Illinois. Raspberries to Florida. Oh, yes, I just certainly killed that joke. Oranges to New York. Yes. Well, that ought to take care of the fall weather. Sí, yo siempre he dicho que el clima de California es una cosa preciosa. A mí me gusta mucho. Oh, yes, yes, it's great. What is that, senor Lee? In weather like this, 
I always go into the Brown Derby and order myself a nice glass of gold milk. Gold milk? See, si. You mean cold milk. The prices they charge, it must be gold. <laughs> For your information, that milk traveled 3,000 miles to get here. So I had to pay the taxi fare? <laughs> well, this is fine. Now the brown derby will take my picture off the wall. Oh, they won't go back into the kitchen just for that. <laughs> By the way, George, I saw Jack Benny and Mary Livingston at the derby last week, and Jack invited me to sit down and have dinner. Really, honey? Yeah, Mary ordered a steak, and I had a roast pheasant. What was Jack eating? His heart out. <laughs> Stop kidding about Jack Benny being cheap. He worked very hard for his money. He's been on the radio for ten years, and he finally came out on top. Yeah, by the handful. <laughs> well, now it's time for the smoothies. Charlie, Babs, and Little. Kids, what are you going to sing tonight? It's a song about two comedians talking to each other. What's the name of it? Trade Wind. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, oh, well, George, I knew I had something to tell you. Somebody suggested that with the fall programs coming back on the air, you should get the jump on everybody by getting a guest star. My dear Bud, whoever told you that could not have been listening to our programs. The sponsor suggested it. And furthermore, Bud, uh, 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 the, the sponsor? Yeah, sponsor. It must be a mistake. See, all the programs I've been on, they brought in guest stars only when the program needed help. The weaker the program, the bigger the guest star they needed. The sponsor wants you to get Clark Gable. <laughs> what does he want with Clark Gable? I can't understand that. You can't understand what, Doug? Gable is a movie actor. He's only been on the radio for about four times. I've been on the radio for 12 years. I can't understand that either. <laughs> guest star. Artie, do you think I need a guest, uh, any help? All I know, George, is that for years my family would gather around the radio whenever you were on. And they would sit by that radio until the program was over. Thanks, Artie. And then they'd turn it on. <laughs> Clark Gable is a guest star. Take away his looks and his personality, and what have you got? George Burns. Gracie, Gracie. Mr. Burns. What does it sound, man? If you're thinking of getting a guest star, why not give me the opportunity? I used to be a great Shakespearean actor. Really? Yes, for years I toured the country in various Shakespearean roles. Look, there's something I always wanted to know. In the play Hamlet, was there really a love affair between Hamlet and Ophelia? In the company I was in, there was. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't need a guest star. Sponsor or no sponsor. Hello? Spam program? I'm not getting a guest star. Who? I'm the boss oh, of this program. And when I George. say something, I mean it. George. I wouldn't get a guest star if George. you paid me for a Hey, Pupsy! <laughs> Quiet with that Pupsy. The sponsor. The phone. The sponsor? Oh, um, <clears throat> hello? Yeah, this is George Burns. Yeah. What? What? Yeah, but that shows that the male star of the program is weak. Yeah, but that shows... Yeah, but that... Yeah, but... Yeah, but... <laughs> Sounds like yeah, but in Costello. <laughs> Yeah, but... Well, all right, I'll get Clark Gable and Lionel Barrymore, but Ronald Coleman we don't need. Yeah, but... Yeah, but... Well, I don't know whether I can get them. They cost a lot of money. Oh, you want me to call you back? Oh, you're at a board meeting discussing my option? Oh, certainly I'll get them. You wouldn't want me to get Mickey Rooney, too. Oh, later, huh? Well, goodbye, sir. And, uh, I'll spare no expams. Spams. That's a joke. Oh, he hung up. <laughs> well, that makes us one happy little spamly. Lionel Barrymore, Ronald Coleman, and Clark Gable. How do you get men like that? Oh, it's easy. I just drop my hatches and they pick it up and I say, I do. Oh, stop. I'll say that later. <laughs> I say they're discussing our option. We've got to do something. Well, George, why don't you get an impersonator who can imitate those stars? Say, that's a great idea. And I know just the fellow. He's a great mammoth. A mammoth? Yes. You mean mimic? No, a mammoth. He imitates Al Jolson. <laughs> I suppose if he could imitate uh, Papa Dion, he'd be a puppet. Now, then he'd be a panic. A panic? <laughs> You 
down where the trade will play. Then where you lose the day. We found a new world where paradise starts. We traded hearts way down where the trade will play. Music is Can he do Gable? He can do anybody. In fact, Gracie is downstairs now, and she's getting a script of Boomtown. Oh, George, I just got it. Here's did, the script. Did you get the radio senses okay? Yes, except for a few minor changes. Good. Now, will everybody get around me, and I'll read the play. Okay. Now, the first scene takes place in a thriving oil town, and there's a lot of hustle and bustle. George, the census says you can't say that on the radio. Say what? Bustle. <laughs> All right, the bustle is out. Well, where else can it be? <laughs> Well, in this in, in this little town, there's an oil well right in the middle of the street. Now, some careless man leaves a few sacks of TNT lying at an angle. Can't do it. Why not? Got to leave out the sacks angle. <laughs> All right, somebody left some TNT. George, you're not going to say TNT. Why not? Brother, that's dynamite. <laughs> some careless man drops some match. Is that better? And sets the oil well on fire. And at that moment, the hero was entering the town saloon, and he's just about to step in. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't mention step in. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It was just a slip. Can't mention slip. Can't, huh? That comes under the ban. Underwear? Can't do it. Can't do what? Can't mention underwear. All right, forget the underwear. That's even worse. <laughs> I suppose to do this play, I'll have to get an okay from the Secretary of the Interior. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's icky. <laughs> well, this is fine. If I can't do this play tonight, I'll probably wind up without a job and walking around on my bare feet. You cannot do that. Why not? Too corny. <laughs> well, quiet, everybody. We're going to do Boomtown. If it was good enough for the movies, it's good enough for the radio. I don't want any more interruptions. Oh, that's probably the impersonator. Sound man, open the door. Uh, uh, you can't say that on the radio. Why not? This door is made of wood. Wood is made of pine. Pine is naughty, and you can't say naughty words on the radio. <laughs> Sound man, open the door. Hello, Mr. Burns. Oh, this is Peter and Hayes, everybody. Hello, Peter. Hey, listen, I'm sure glad to get this job, Mr. Burns. I haven't worked for about six months. I haven't eaten since last week, and you don't happen to have a sandwich on you. You mean spamwich. Later, later, Peter. We're broadcasting now, you see. Gee, I I haven't had a bite since Thursday. George, shall I bite him? Quiet. (laughs) Look, uh, say, Peter, it's very important that you do these impersonations perfectly. I want Lionel Barrymore, Ronald Coleman, and Clark Gable. No, but I can't do Gable. You can't do Gable? 
You can't do Gable. Well, now I'm in a terrible mess. Here, well, you can take the script anyway. Uh, have you got a knife and fork? Uh, 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 look, don't eat it. Just read it. But will you get the sponsor on the phone? George, what are you going to say to him if I can't? If he can't well, Gable. Well, I'll suggest uh, Gary Cooper. I'll suggest Charles Lawton. I'll suggest Georgie Raff. Can't do that on the radio. Why not? Who suggested? <laughs> but will you get the sponsor? Okay. Uh, Senor Byrne, if you want a good mimic, I'm just the man you're looking at. <laughs> you're you're a good mimic. I'm positive. I think. Mm. I do a very fine impersonation of a cockney. A cockney? Listen. Put up your hands and reach for the ceiling, you mug. What kind of a cockney is that? James Cockney. <laughs> Quiet. Uh, here's the sponsor, George. I've got him on the phone. Oh, uh, hello. Well, I finally did it. I got Ronald Coleman, I got Lionel Barrymore, and I got a big surprise for you. Instead of Gable, I got Charles Lawton and... Yeah, but... Yeah, but... Yeah, but... Oh, you're going back into the board meeting to discuss the option? Oh, sure, I'll get Gable for you. Yes, if I say I'll get him, I'll get him. What do you think I am? Oh. <laughs> Goodbye. Gracie, what do you think the sponsor said to me? Uh-uh, you can't say that on the radio. You said it. <laughs> now, Artie Shaw and his boys will do Rose Room, which, by the way, they play nightly at the Rose Room of the Palace Hotel in San Francisco. Plug. <laughs> But the sponsor wants Gable, and we haven't got Gable. But we've got Lionel Barrymore, so let's do Dr. Kildare. Yeah, but we've got to get Gable. And Gable was in Boomtown. All right, so let's make it Dr. Kildare goes to Boomtown. <laughs> but that still doesn't give us Gable. Well, I've got an idea. Want to hear it? Yes, I'm all ears. And you play Gable. <laughs> well, this is Hire a mimic, and, and he can imitate everybody except the one I want. Oh, that's nothing, George. Great things can't really be imitated. Now, take Spam. 
I got you into that nicely. Thank you very kindly. (laughs) Cold or hot, Spam hits the spot is a phrase that fits Spam to a T. All summer long, millions have enjoyed Spam served cold. This delicious meat will continue as a mealtime mainstay served for lunch, just as it comes from the can, because it's all ready to eat. Now that school has started, you like to send the family away in the morning with a breakfast that sticks to the ribs. Well, here's a suggestion for a mighty good breakfast that's easy to fix and never fails to get the family up in a hurry. Spam and eggs. You don't have to worry about the family going away hungry because Spam, S-P-A-M, is delicious meat with a satisfying taste and flavor. Just open a can of Spam, cut off thin slices and fry quickly in a hot pan, and eggs sunny side up with tender, juicy, golden brown slices of fried Spam is a hearty breakfast as bright as the morning sun and certainly a welcome change. Give your family Spam and eggs. You'll save time in the kitchen and serve good economical meals. Spam keeps without refrigeration and is always ready for quick action. So ask your food dealer for Spam when you shop tomorrow. Try the several easy recipes on the label. Then you'll know why Spam is good served cold or served hot. Slice it, dice it, fry it, bake it, cold or hot. Spam hits the spot. For our play. Christy, we haven't got Gable. I've got it all fixed. Starring Lionel Barrymore, Ronald Coleman, and Clark Gable. Entitled It Can't Happen Here. George, that's not the name of it. The title is The Great Appendicitis Operation or A Scar is Born. A <laughs> Scar? Uh-huh. Christy, what about gay? Leave it to me. Music. As the play opens, we find Dr. Kildare and Nurse Allen in the operating room. The doctor is performing a very delicate operation. It's a very tense moment. Nurse, forceps. Yep. Needle. Well, there you are. Perfect job. Oh, thanks, Doctor. Now fill up the hole in my other stocking. <laughs> Enough of that. Where's Dr. Lionel Barrymore? Quarreling with his brother John Barrymore about a face operation. Well, <laughs> of course, there are two sides to everything. Except John's face. Nurse Allen, look, I've got my own troubles. Oh, please, Doctor, not so loud. You're disturbing the patient in 414. 414? Mm-hmm. What patient? The one who has a temperature of 109. A temperature of 109? Yes. How can he live? Well, he gets an allowance from his boat. Temperature of 109 is very dangerous. What did you do with him? Well, I put him to bed with that patient who has got the chills. Well, I better go up and see him. Nobody's allowed in 414. Gracie, what about Abel Gay? I've got it all fixed. You have, huh? Look, here comes Dr. Lionel Barrymore. Well, I hope you got it fixed. Oh, hello, Dr. Lionel Barrymore. See here, son, who said you knew anything about medicine? I left positive instructions that little Billy should be kept on a strict diet. And he's brought into surgery with a hamburger sandwich clutched in his hand. Well, I'm... I'm awfully sorry, Doctor. Well, you should be. So I placed this little tyke on the operating table, and I administered the anesthesia myself. And I stood there looking at him. I stood gazing at that poor face until those tired little eyes finally closed. Well, Doctor, what did you do? What do you think I did? I ate the hamburger. Still hungry, huh? Uh, you mean Spamburger. I wonder where I can find Dr. Ronald Coleman. Hey, doctor, you're disturbing the patient in 414. Who is that patient in 414? The one who's got appendicitis. Well, then I must operate. Oh, no, no, his wife won't let you. Why not? Well, she says she won't have anybody else opening her mail. <laughs> Tracy, what about Abel Gay? Don't worry, don't worry. Dr. Kildare, go to surgery G. Dr. Kildare, go to surgery G. I can't go to G. Then go to H. <laughs> what kind of a hospital is this anyway? Please, Doctor, you're disturbing the patient in 414. Will you forget that man in 414? Doctor, he's got chills. Does he shake all over? No, only in 414. <laughs> Tracy, did you fix that? Clark on the wall. I'm not Gable to tell the time. It's all fixed. I hope so. Uh, 
Hello? Hello, this is Dr. Shaw. Yes, Dr. Shaw? They just brought in a patient wearing a white sweater. Send stretcher at once. What do you want the stretcher for? The sweater doesn't fit me. <laughs> Some doctor. Uh, Dr. Kildare? Yes, what is it, Senor Operate quick, Doctor. A piece of tinder fleed me in the eye. It fleed you in the eye? Hey, you mean it flew in your eye? Fleed. Flew. Look, what comes after flies? Flit. <laughs> Nurse Allen, will you go out and look for Dr. Coleman? Please, Doctor. You're disturbing the patient in 414. Who is this fellow in 414? How did, he, how did he get in here without me seeing him? Well, he was an accident case. He fell off an ironing board. A ironing board? He was pressing his pants and he forgot to take them off. <laughs> Look, Gracie, if we don't get... We got... When? Later. I uh, hope. Dr. Kildare. Uh, yes, Dr. Heaston. I just got a telephone call from New York that might interest you. This person said there's nothing better for a person who expects a nervous breakdown than a good dish of mongoose. Raw mongoose? No, it's cooked. Who said mongoose is cooked? The sponsor, if you don't get Gable. <laughs> Tracy. Don't worry, no. don't worry. Here comes Dr. Coleman now. Well, Dr. Ronald Coleman. My dear Dr. Kildare, it's an honor and a pleasure to be a visiting surgeon in your great hospital. I've devoted my entire life to medicine. As a medical man, you know I'm speaking the truth when saying the reward we seek is not material. I don't want glory. I don't want fame. I just want one thing for my work. Well, what is it you want? You don't happen to have a sandwich. <laughs> no. <laughs> you need sandwich. Quiet. This is going far enough. Oh, please, doctor. You're disturbing the patient in 414. Oh, stop with that 414. George, George, the sponsor is on the phone again. Oh, well, good night. Hello. I, I know. I... Yes, I, I know... Well, I, I tried and I did my best and... Give me that phone. Hello? This is Gracie Allen speaking. What? What? We haven't got Clark Abel. We haven't got Clark Abel. Huh. Who do you think that fellow is in 414? Well, that's all I want to know. <laughs> and from the new Jolson show, Gracie will now sing, Would You Be So Kindly? I'm not so hot in my IQ, but that's okay. I've got to tell you I like you, and that ain't hey. I'm not so bright, not so sharp, not so smooth, and the sizzling phrases. And so I ask you in my curioso way, oh, would you be so kindly to treat me not so blindly? Oh, would you be so kindly if you please? Oh, would you be so sweetly to sweep me off my feetly? I'm asking you discreetly on my knees. Oh, would you be so gently to say that you'll be true and say it sentimentally, just like and keep it too? Oh, would you be so cutely? To love me absolutely Because to put it brutally I love you Now baby Would you be so kindly So very very kindly To show me how to find me A little piece of mindly Or would you be so kindly If you please Or would you be so goodly Wouldn't you To treat me as you shouldly Shouldn't you I'm so misunderstoodly Why must you tease Oh come on I'm waiting for an answer Won't you be an angel and tell me I'm divine I have a feeling strangely That you will soon be mine And girls will shine Oh, don't be nandy family Let's raise a little family Cause being like I am I love you I do and I do mean you Would you like to see the family completely satisfied after dinner tomorrow evening? Well, here's a sure way to do it. Open a can of Spam, S-P-A-M. Take out this tender, delicious meat, stud with cloves, and pop it into the oven. Baste with a little orange or pineapple juice. Only takes a jiffy, and the simple recipe is right on the label of the Spam can. When a delightful aroma sneaks out of the oven, you'll hardly be able to wait for dinner to be ready. There's an economical main course that's easy to fix, grand to eat. Be sure to ask your food dealer for Spam when you shop tomorrow. Thank you, Bud. Well, Gracie, say goodnight. Good night. And, Peter, I want to thank you for those grand impersonations. 
But how come that you couldn't do Clark Gable? Well, that would be a very tedious job. In order to do a fellow like Clark Gable, I'd have to stay close to him for about seven weeks. Should happen to me. Good night, all. Be with us again next Monday night, same time, same station, for another George Burns and Gracie Allen show with Artie Shaw, his orchestra, and the smoothies. Until then, this is Bud Easton reminding you to remember that cold or hot, spam hits the spot. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George? Sure, pour me a cup, Gracie. You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last drop. That drop's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, transcribed in Hollywood and starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With our special guest tonight, Bill Hopalong Cassidy Boy, yours truly, Toby Reed, Verna Felton, Harry Lubin, the Maxwell House Orchestra, and Bill Goodwin. For America's Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for America's everyday coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. Always good to the last drop. Well, just about every radio performer in the country is wondering how television will affect his career. Of course, the good-looking ones have nothing to fear. So the star of our program isn't worried. But her husband is. Plenty. Ah, uh, now, George, stop worrying. You'll be great on television. And what do they want with me? Three hundreds of new faces on television. Young, handsome faces. Well, sure, there'll be a dime a dozen. But there'll only be one face like yours. <laughs> is, is that good? Well, of course it's oh, good. Oh, thanks. I was nervous for a minute. Faces are like books, George. The new ones sell for a couple of dollars. But what do people go crazy over and pay thousands for? An old, wrinkled, yellow parchment. <laughs> well, that's a nice TL. Oh, darling, I, I didn't mean your face to look like that. I only mean it's precious, like a rare old book. It's interesting. When people see it, they'll say, where did he get it? he had it. Well, what's he going to do with it? Okay. Okay, forget it. I think I'll leave television to the 18 and 19-year-olds. Oh, well, no, George, we can't handle it alone. <laughs> we, we need someone like you. With a face like an old book. Oh, now, darling, stop that. Now, tell me, who's the biggest sensation in television today? Hop along, Cassidy. So what? So that book wasn't printed yesterday either. You can't compare me with Hopalong Cassidy. That guy is terrific. He's practically a stunt man. He's no shorter than you are. I mean, he's in wonderful condition. He's the hottest thing on television. Well, he sure is. Would it be wonderful if you... Hey, George... I've just hatched an idea. Well, leave it in the nest. I don't want to hear it. But it's wonderful. You can become the biggest star on television if you act and talk like a cowboy. How? No, not Indian talk. A cowboy. <laughs> How do I become a big star? Well, now, look. Suppose Hopalong Cassidy were to retire. They'd need a cowboy to take his place. Me? Well, personally, you can learn to be a cowboy overnight. How? They're not an Indian, a cowboy. <laughs> Listen, Gracie, in the first place, why should Hopalong Cassidy retire? Oh, that's the law of show business, George. Those old timers have to step aside and give you youngsters a chance. <laughs> Cassidy is older than me? Well, he must be. He's been making pictures with beautiful girls for 15 years, and he's never kissed one yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why, in 15 years, you kissed me at least... Oh, he's not much older than you. About a year. Let's forget this whole silly idea. Cassidy is not going to retire. Well, if you cooperate and try to be a cowboy instead of an Indian, maybe I can persuade him to retire. How? <laughs> you won't cooperate. I want to be an Indian. But, George, they say on television, you've got to have action, and those cowboy pictures have plenty. Look, the only kind of action I can give them is dancing. Like the dancing act I did in Vaudeville with Trixie Lorraine. Remember, Trixie? No, I'll say I remember her. I thought you were going to marry that girl. So did she. <laughs> Good old Trixie. Not a bad-looking girl. Huh? What a figure. Of course, she wasn't as pretty as you. Ah. It didn't fit that time, did No, it didn't. <laughs> you know, Trixie lives out here now. She does. Got a ranch up near Bakersfield. Raises horses. Her children look like her, huh? <laughs> you shouldn't call Trixie a horse. She was a good dancer. That might be an idea for television. Trixie and I can revive our old eyes. Oh, you could, eh? Well, I'll see you later, dear. Huh. So we'd like to team up with Trixie for television. Well, not if I can help it. I've got to talk to Hopalong Cassidy. Maybe he'll retire in favor of Mopalong Burns. <laughs> I guess the best way to appeal to a cowboy like Cassidy is talk his own language, that Western lingo. Yes? Howdy, partner. Be you the coyote folks call Hopalong Cassidy? That's what they call me, ma'am. <laughs> Won't you come in, ma'am? Well, don't mind if I do, partner. I'm plum tuckered, been riding all day. What do you ride, a cow pony? Yep, half cow and half pony. <laughs> Every couple of miles, I had to jump off the milker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll tucker you all right. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I thought I'd never get here from Texas. Did you ride clean from Texas? Nope, I'm a little dusty around <laughs> Gracie. Gracie the Kid. Born and raised in Texas. Well, I'm from the Lone Star State myself. Oh, that's nice, but it ain't as nice as Texas. <laughs> well, you ought to see my ranch down there. Well, maybe I'm familiar with it. What brand do you put on your calves? Well, I ain't particular, as long as they're nylon. <laughs> Nice and sheer. Yes. Yeah. But uh, enough about me. I uh, I come to talk about you. You know, us folks down in Texas have been watching you on television. Well, that's fine. How do you like me? We ain't happy, Hoppy. <laughs> but I'm sorry to hear that. Back east, folks have been calling me the cowboy Milton Burrow. <laughs> They don't like you there either, huh? <laughs> well, maybe you ought to retire, Hoppy, and let a real for sure cowboy take over your job. Got anybody in mind? My husband, Saddle Face Burns. <laughs> oh, what a man. <laughs> Is your husband a wrangler? Yeah, he'll argue over anything. <laughs> He's a mighty tough Humberg. I meant, does he break horses? No, sir. Thirty years a cowboy and never dropped a horse. <laughs> Put that in your bronco and smoke it. Can uh, Saddleface handle a shooting iron? Can he handle a shooting iron? Huh? What's a shooting iron? <laughs> That's a gun. Oh, oh yes, he's great with a gun. Carries one in his holster. <laughs> You'd be scared to meet him. Yes, ma'am, I'd be cowed. Uh, maybe you'd better get out of town while they're getting good, huh? 
You can always go back to your family, Ma and Pa Cassidy. Oh, I'm afraid I can't do that, ma'am. You see, I'm not really a Cassidy. No? No, I'm a Boyd. You're what? A Boyd. Well, spread your wings and fly back to Brooklyn. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I mean my name is Boyd. Bill Boyd, not Cassidy. Just like your name is Gracie Allen. And you're not from Texas. Well, now, how did you find that out? You didn't have me fooled, Gracie. Now, suppose you tell me what this is all about. Well, look, I'm desperate, Mr. Boyd. I- I've just got to get my husband on television. Some way, anyway. Can't you help me? Well, how about wrestling? Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a married woman. <laughs> One of your Hopalong Cassidy pictures? Well, that depends on his background. Well, he was he was in vaudeville for years. Well, for my pictures, I'm afraid he'd need experience with horses. Oh, well, uh, well, that's what he did in vaudeville, an act with a trick horse. A trick horse, huh? Say, I could use something like that in my new picture. Can your husband ride bareback? Yeah, but he looks better with a shirt on. <laughs> oh, gee, I... I hope you can use them. If you don't, I'm afraid he'll get mixed up with another woman. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure no other woman can get him as mixed up as you can. Oh, you're sweet. Well, I'll have to be running along now. I'm late for my club meeting. Goodbye, hop along. Or as you cowboys say, bon voyage. Happy landing to you, Aren't you Hopalong Cassidy? That's right. And I recognize you, too. You do? Sure. I'd know you anywhere. Your saddle face. <laughs> saddle face? By golly. You've even got the bags. <laughs> saddle face? Well, that's what your wife called you. She came to see me about putting you on television. Oh, I was afraid of that. Did she make me for a cowboy? Well, at first she did, but I got wise to that. Then she told me about an act you used to do in Waterville that would be great on television. Lots of action. Oh, yeah, that must be the act I did with Trixie. Yeah, I reckon so. According to your wife, uh, Trixie's quite a horse. Well, Gracie would say that. But the last time I saw Trixie, she looked beautiful. Hmm. What color is she? <laughs> what color? She's white. Hmm. Solid white? <laughs> yeah. Well, aren't there any markings on her hide? <laughs> no, as far as I know, she's the same color all over. <laughs> would you like to hear about our act? Yes, I would. Well, when the curtain went up, we were we were opposite sides of the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trixie did a few high kicks, and then she ran over to me, see? Then I suppose you jumped up on her back. <laughs> no, that was our exit. Oh. <laughs> For the main part of our act, we just danced. Mm-hmm. You uh, taught... Trixie, how to dance? Sure. And for an encore, we did a tap dance on roller skates. <laughs> oh, man, this is the doggondest act I ever heard of. I've just got to have that in my new picture. Well, I'd uh, much rather if you, you do something with, uh, with Gracie and myself or, or even me alone. No, sir, I want you and Trixie. Can you locate her? Well, she's on a ranch in Bakersfield, but I'm not sure she'll come down here. She's happy up there raising horses. Listen, listen, George. <laughs> if she'll come down here, I'll see that she meets the best-looking horses in Hollywood. <laughs> Get her here by tomorrow. Okay, I'll send her a telegram to Bakersfield tonight. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, you said that Trixie could read it herself. <laughs> she can. Wait till Roy Rogers sees this. Saddle face? (laughs) 
that's Sigmund Romberg's musical salute to Maytime. Maytime, month of joyous spring mornings, when all the world seems brighter. And you know, every day seems brighter, more cheerful, when you start it off right with a fragrant, heartwarming cup of truly good coffee. Delicious Maxwell House coffee. It's America's favorite, you know, enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. And do you know why so many people prefer Maxwell House? Well, in a word, flavor. That famous good-to-the-last-drop flavor only Maxwell House gives you. Now, there's just one way to create the superb flavor. It's the blending of many choice coffees, premium Latin American coffees, which our Maxwell House experts carefully choose and skillfully combine. First, they select Monazali's coffees for mellowness. They add Medellin's for richness. Other choice coffees contribute robust vigor. And Bucaramanga's add their fine, full body. This perfectly balanced Maxwell House blend is then radiant roasted to flavor perfection. And brought to you vacuum-packed in the familiar blue Maxwell House tin. And ladies, vacuum-packing is important. You see, air seals the flavor of coffee in ordinary packages. But Maxwell House is carefully vacuum-packed, so you get all the flavor and goodness you pay for. Friends, why be satisfied with anything but the best in coffee-drinking pleasure? Tomorrow, enjoy Maxwell House. Always good to the last drop. Well, Hopalong Cassidy has engaged George and his old dancing partner, Trixie Lorraine, to do their act in his new picture, under the impression that Trixie is a horse. It is now the following morning. Gracie, I had a visit from Hopalong Cassidy last evening. I'm going to be in his new picture. How wonderful. He wants me to do my old dance act with Trixie Lorraine. Oh, no, George. I don't want you dancing with Trixie. Why not? Well, she's always carried a torch for you. And your dancing legs are just the matchsticks that can light it again. <laughs> no, Gracie. She'll be a goner the minute you take her in your arms and press her to your manly stomach. <laughs> well, stop worrying. Well, there's something about you that tugs at a woman's heartstrings. Other men tugged at mine a little, but when you came along, what a jerk. Gracie, listen to me. You started all this yourself. You wanted me on television in a Hopalong Cassidy picture. Well, to ride a horse, dear, a bulldog. Do anything, but don't dance with Trixie. Well, it's too late to do anything about it. She's flying down from Bakersfield this morning. Well, I hope she falls off a broomstick. <laughs> Where are you going? Oh, out. Well, I'll see you later. Uh, Bill, I came to see you because you can help me. How? Now, don't you start that Indian <laughs> No, Gracie, how can I help you? Oh, well, um, I know it's asking a lot, but would you pick up a strange girl and flirt with her for my sake? Gracie, I'm shocked. <laughs> asking me to pick up a strange girl. Do you realize what a thing like that could lead to? Yes, Bill. Ooh, me too. Well, I find her. <laughs> She's flying in from Bakersfield. Her name is Trixie Lorraine, and I want you to keep her away from our house. Okay, Gracie. Give me a description. Well, you've got to find her somehow. She wants to steal George. Oh, well, now it's easy. I'll just grab the babe wearing the straitjacket. <laughs> now, get out to the airport, huh? Okay. Gee, it's almost noon. wonder what's holding Trixie. Hope it's Bill. What? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'll answer it, dear. Hello? Hi, Gracie. Uh, I'm in a phone booth at the airport. Say, is Trixie a blonde about 18 years old? Oh, no, no. Much older. Oh, I see. 
It's not you, honey. You'll have to get off my lap. You're... You're both in a phone booth? It's okay. We're not smoking. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep trying. So long, Gracie. Who was that? Who was what? Who was that talking on the phone? It was me. <laughs> I go to church. You need classes. I meant who? Oh, excuse me, dear. I'll see who's at the door. Howdy, ma'am. Well, hello, Mr. Cassidy. If your husband's here, I'd like to talk to him a little more about his act with Trixie. Uh, my husband? Oh, um, why, no, he's not here. He's, uh, he's gone to Australia. Australia? Yes, on a hunting trip. He's, um, gone to shoot a few Aussies. Oh. I'll, um, I'll be glad to give him a message for you. He said he'd call me from Australia about noon. Gracie! Well, right on schedule. Your husband's got a mighty powerful voice. Who was that at the door? Oh, hello, Hoppy. Hello, saddle face. Just call me Sam Newman. <laughs> uh, Hoppy, I've been thinking about our act for your picture. Uh, how would you like me to dress? Well, it's a story about the gold rush days. Then I should have on a real old-time suit. Yeah, just leave on the one you're wearing. <laughs> I'll have it pressed first. Has uh, Trixie arrived yet? No, but I'm expecting her any minute. If, uh, if you haven't found a place for her to stay, she can sleep in my barn. In, uh, in your barn? Yeah, that's just the place for it. Nothing's doing. She'll stay at the Plaza Hotel. They'll take her? Certainly. Trixie is very attractive. Of course, she's not as young as she used to be. Oh, that doesn't matter. Who's going to look at her teeth? <laughs> her teeth? Yeah, maybe she won't even bring them along. <laughs> oh, well, excuse me, there's the phone in the den. Uh, hello? Hello, Gracie, this is Bill again. Listen, I'm back in the phone booth at the airport. Oh, did you find Trixie? Well, uh, is she a gorgeous brunette about 19? No. Is she a luscious redhead about 20? No. Okay, kids, hop off. <laughs> Bill, I told you Trixie is older than that. Stop picking up those young girls. You're wasting your time. <laughs> I'll keep looking. <laughs> no, wait, Bill. Bill. I've got a better idea. I'll put George on the phone and you pretend to be Trixie. Tell him you, uh, you've decided not to come. Okay, Gracie. Oh, George. Yes? There's a beautiful woman calling you. Thanks. Go on and talk to Hoppy. All right, dear. Hello? Hello, Bootsy boy. This is Trixie, the pretty little girl you used to dance with. Trixie, you, you sound like Bill Goodwin. This is Trixie, all right. It is, huh? Uh, tell me, Trixie, how do you like Maxwell House coffee? Oh, I love it. It's so rich, delicious, and mellow. Good to the last drop. America's favorite brand of coffee. Trixie. Maxwell House is a blend of choice Latin American coffees. Trixie. Radiant roasted to the very peak of flavor perfection. Trixie. And vacuum packed so that it comes to you roaster fresh. Trixie. Oh. Trixie. How do you happen to know so much about Maxwell House coffee? Uh, well, I always listen on the radio to that handsome... Curly-headed dreamboat, Dimples Goodwin. I happen to know he has his hair waved at a beauty shop. That's a lie. I do it at home. I mean, that's a lie. He, he does, does it at home. I know, I know. I knew it was you, Bill. I'm surprised you let Gracie talk you into this. A little joke never works. I know, George. Why don't you get a job? 
Goodbye, summer replacement. Uh, excuse me for leaving you, Hoppy. I thought that was Trixie on the telephone. On the telephone? Yeah, but I could tell it wasn't her voice. You don't mean to tell me Trixie can talk. Certainly. She also sings and plays the violin. Man, am I going to get rid of my horse. That stupid animal can't do anything but run. <laughs> can't compare your horse to a woman. Hold on a minute. Isn't Trixie a mayor? No, she's never been in politics. <laughs> you, uh, you thought Trixie was a horse? Sure, a dancing horse. Then we're not going to be in the picture. Oh, I'm sorry it didn't work out, folks. And now you'll have to excuse me. I have to get over to the veterinary. My horse has got the colic, and the doc's going to give him a dose of paragoric. Oh, well, just a moment, Mr. Cassidy. Dancing isn't all George can do. Uh, let him sing in your picture. He can be the voice of the prairie. Show him, George. All right. <clears throat> I'm heading for the last roundup. It'll lead up to the on a saddle old plane for the last time. Right. Oh, you prairie dog. <laughs> Give him some more. Pull the trigger on the shotgun of your throat and blast your way into his picture with the bullets of melody. Bullets of melody? Open your mouth and get the lead out. <laughs> Razor counted and branded, there go I. I went with the last. Oh, you. Oh. <laughs> How about that, Hoppy? All right, George, come along with me. Really? You, you're taking him with you? Yes, ma'am. He can use a dose of that paragoric, too. <laughs> Tracy will return in just a moment. Ladies, would you like to help cut down the terrible toll of home accidents? If so, join the housewives from coast to coast who are forming Don't Be a Gracie clubs. These club members pledge themselves to rid their own homes of the hazards which cause accidents. If you'd like to form a Don't Be a Gracie club in your community, write to Gracie Allen, Hollywood Plaza Hotel, Hollywood 28, California. Join us again next Thursday when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Bill Goodwin, Harry Lubin, and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Toby Reed. And now, here are our stars. Gracie, you know who's going to be on this program next week? Who? That gorgeous actress who has such a terrific figure. People call her the body. Oh, George, I'm on every week. <laughs> I was talking about Marie McDonald. Oh, oh, well, yes, yeah, she deserves that name. I shouldn't call myself the body. Uh, people think of me more as the brain. Yes. <laughs> Call me Saddleface. I'll see you next week. Good night, folks. If you like good things the easy way. Good things the easy way. Instant Maxwell House, that's for you. Good, good coffee that's easy, too. No time, no trouble. No frowns, no fun. And it's good to the very last. You know what? Yes, Instant Maxwell House means great coffee instantly in your cup. Here's real instant coffee. All pure Maxwell House coffee in instant form. Enjoy Instant Maxwell House. Instantly. Good to the very last you know what. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.